In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. It's not often that we get to celebrate this wonderful feast on a Sunday and to see um, a small difference in the celebration of the feast of the normal Sunday liturgy. So I'm glad we got to experience that this morning. In today's feast of our Lord's presentation into the temple, this concludes the 40-day period after the Nativity. We had 40 days before the Nativity, and then we had the feast, and then we have 40 days after the Nativity, and that's what we just complete today. And then uh, we have uh, a short period, and then we're going to complete the 40 days before Easter, before the Resurrection, which we know is really 55 days. But it's the holy 40 days before Easter, and then we have 40 days after Easter and, the, and, and with, until the Ascension. And this is just to say that the, the Church is setting these seasons, and these seasons are important. And I've said a lot about seasons in the past. I won't repeat myself, but it's uh, good to be a part of that season and to keep your mind centered on the season. In today's readings, if you celebrated the Feast of the Circumcision, which was, uh, we all celebrated, we just didn't have a, a liturgy here, but if you went, you would have heard these exact same readings. We see, read these readings on the circumcision and on our Lord's entry into the temple. And so you see that the two uh, themes of the circumcision as well as the presentation to the temple are carried throughout the readings. And today's readings, taken from Luke chapter 2, it seems that the St. Mary and St. Joseph were doing two things when they went to the temple. It's very clear the one is the purification of, of the mother of God for 40 days after giving birth. And that is the sacrifice of the two uh, turtle doves or the pigeons. This is taken from Leviticus chapter 12, 1 to, 8, 1 to 8. And then the second is the presentation of the firstborn male child to the Lord. And that presentation uh, which uh, God commanded in Exodus chapter 13 verses 2 and 12 uh, so we see that St. Mary is humbly offering this custom, doing these customs, to God. Even though she was, had the archangel Gabriel appear to her. Even though she knows that this is the Son of God. That she did not just give birth to a child the normal way. Even though she, she knows that God is really with her. She doesn't depart from the customs of the temple or of the faith. She stays with them and she humbles herself and does this sacrifice uh, even for the sake of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And He Himself is humbling Himself through her. And if you get a chance, it's available online. If you get a chance or you have it at home, the commentary of St. Luke, um, chapter 2, read that sermon. I believe it's chapter, sermon number five, 4. He speaks about the humility of Jesus Christ accepting this. Um, but I want to just discuss two points with you very quickly. First is that Jesus Christ is given a title in this writing. He is called the Consolation of Israel. And we should know this. We should know this term because of our Agbeya readings. We read in the Agbeya um, uh, this gospel in the twelfth hour of the Agbeya. We say uh, that there was a man who was in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just about waiting for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel is a beautiful title for our Savior Jesus Christ. 
He is the one who came to console Israel, to set everything right. And this reminds me of a chapter in Isaiah chapter 40, where the very first verse, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand uh, double for all her sins. This idea of comfort coming through Jesus Christ and Him being the consolation of Israel is an idea and and a title that we need to hold fast to in our day and age because we are all looking for comfort from above. Before it was the job of the king or the job of the prophet or the priest, uh, not so much the prophet, but the king and the priest to comfort the people, to be a shepherd, to guide them and to, to help them, especially those who were suffering righteously, those who were yearning for the coming age of the Messiah, those who were waiting for God to act. <coughs> they were to comfort the people and say, it's going to happen. Have patience. It's going to happen. Trust in the Lord. He will comfort you. And Christ comes as the consolation of Israel, not to offer us comfort, but He does something different. He Himself becomes our comfort. I've said this before when I talked about forgiveness of sins. He doesn't come just simply to give us forgiveness of sins, but He Himself becomes our forgiveness of sins. He is our consolation. How is He our consolation? How is He our comfort? How do we tap into this, so to speak? We tap in it through our faith and through our actions and especially through the sacraments and through our knowledge of God, through our growing in knowledge of God. Remind yourself of the Pauline epistle taken from chapter 3, which has our theme for the year. The theme that, uh, that we, we picked for the year, I picked for you, and hopefully you're, you're using it. The theme of that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. This theme, that I may know Him, if you take it in all of Philippians, and especially in the passage that we read, St. Paul is saying in chapter 3, everything, I count everything as nothing. Everything is garbage. Except that I may know God. Except that I may know Jesus Christ. Everything else is pointless in this life. But I want to know Him. And I strive to know Him. And in that passage also, he talks about perfection. Striving towards perfection. He says, not that I have already attained or have already been perfected, but I strive on. I work towards that goal. And if you keep reading, it says, I keep working towards that goal. I keep working towards that goal. And even in the last verse of the, uh, of the Pauline epistle that was read today, he says, he says, not that I have already attained or already been perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Why, what has Christ Jesus laid hold of me for? For a relationship with Him, for union with Him. And you see, Paul is striving for this union with Him. How can I be comforted by Jesus Christ through my union with Him? My union with Him is through my knowledge of Him. 
through my faith in Him, through my actions and my service for Him. When I strive and I struggle and I serve, I grow in that knowledge of Him. And, and, and I grow in that consolation which comes from Him. It is through that intimate relationship. And we see this in St. Simeon, this wonderful high priest who is in the temple. And he's in the temple waiting for the consolation of Israel. And he waited many years according to the tradition. If we know anything from history, we know that the uh, Emperor Ptolemy took these individuals, these 70 scribes, about the year 100, 150 BC before Christ. He took them from Alexandria. He had them sit down and translate the, the scripture, the Hebrew scripture from Hebrew into Greek. This, was, this is history. It's called, uh, the translation is called the Septuagint. Septuagint after the 70 who translated it. It's also sometimes called the, the translation of the 70. And according to tradition, St. Simeon was one of these individuals, had trouble translating this verse. And then God said, okay, you will live until you see it. And so he lives and he waits for this. And when he sees what God has presented to him in Jesus Christ, when he sees the salvation, he says this beautiful prayer, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So if point number one was about Christ being the consolation of Israel, point number two is about this beautiful prayer. This prayer is so important that the church places it in front of us many times in one day. If we are praying our Egbeya, we'll have it not only in the twelfth hour, but also in the midnight, and in the midnight hour. And if you connect that with Tazbaha, you can possibly say it a third time in Tazbaha. As a priest, every time we do the Gospel litany, and I'm carrying the Gospel around the altar, I say this prayer, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people. I like to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And then one last time that we can say it is it's a short prayer to be said after communion. After we partake of the body and blood, there are many prayers that we have, but we can simply say this, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which is Jesus Christ. It's a simple and it's a beautiful prayer. And these are the words... Now, for us to understand that prayer, these are the words, number one, of a person who is yearning and desiring with all their heart to see God. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace because I have not been in peace. I have been waiting to see you. I have been waiting to be united with you. I have been waiting to know you. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. So we see that this is the prayer of someone who is not at peace until he sees God. A person who is not at peace until he has this deep relationship with God. A person who is constantly struggling for it. This man was in the temple day and night. This man was serving God. Yet there still was this lack of peace. This peace is given to us now. And with the new covenant in this new age. It's given to us now through our relationship with Jesus Christ. But not completely, not fully, not 100%. We still have to strive and struggle and wait. It's a prayer 
of a, of, a, of a person yearning to see God, and it's also a prayer of a person who's patiently waiting for the Lord. How many times have we been caught in a situation where we just want God to act now, right now. I need an answer right now. And we have to wait patiently for the Lord. We have to wait patiently for the Lord. I referred to Psalm, I referred, sorry, to Isaiah chapter 40. Let me res- refer to Psalm chapter 40. Psalm chapter 40 or Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. Those are the opening words for that, uh, for that Psalm. And I encourage you to read it. So I yearn to see God, but I also wait patiently for God to reveal Himself to me. And third, it is a person to whom God has responded. So somebody who's waiting and desiring to see God, waiting patiently for God, but also it's the prayer of someone who knows God has responded. God has responded. How can we know that God has responded? We know that God has responded definitively, 100%, in His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. He has responded and He has given us peace. Jesus Christ is our peace. His presence grants us peace. Our union with Him grants us peace. And our desire for Him is responded by Him. And in this He grants us His peace. If we are not departing in peace from an encounter with God, we must go back and re-examine that encounter or examine our encounters with God. Do I approach God with a pure heart? Do I approach God and actually want to see God? Is there something within me preventing this peace? Am I... Do I have something within me that is against somebody or I know that somebody has something against them? This is what prevents peace. There's a beautiful uh, story that we can look at. Um, Actually, today, if we stay for the adult Sunday school, we're going to talk about the fourth sermon by by St. John Chrysostom. And he talks about how the conscience convicts us and will always convict us that people might forget and that the incident might be pushed behind us but that our conscience will always convict us and he says this in the story of Joseph and his brothers Joseph and his brothers they of course we know what they did to Joseph as a child sold him into slavery told his father he was killed by a wild beast and then years and years and years and years and years later Joseph is leader of Egypt and these people find themselves, his brothers find themselves begging for grain. He says to them, go back and give me your brother. And one of the brothers, they say, this is because we killed our brother and we lied to our father. The conscience had convicted them after so many years. And this is something that we can't release without confession. And so when I approach God and I don't have, by the way, confession, we're going to talk about confession without a priest. How can we do this? St. John wrote about it. I know many of us, that's the number one question. Why do I have to confess to a priest? Stay for Sunday school, adult Sunday school afterwards. We'll talk about it. But now we say they confess their sins. And, um, but, but if we have this lack of peace with God, it means there's something within me. And my conscience is convict, convicting me and I need to confess. I need to get this out of me. 
Am I waiting patiently? Maybe I, I know that God will respond, but I'm just not being patient waiting for Him. I must be patient. And in this patience, as, as, as Christ spoke to us, He said, In your patience, possess your souls. This is also uh, could be a part lacking in my waiting for God. And then, can I be at peace? I have to ask myself, can I be at peace knowing that He's going to send His peace? I have to be comfortable with the fact that I know, even though I'm not at peace now, He will send His peace. And there's a prayer that I want to end this sermon with uh, from a Catholic monk who, I'm not going to mention his name, you can, you can find it on, online, there's lots of controversy around him, but this prayer is an important prayer. And I have found in my own personal life a lot of, of value in this prayer. And I hope it's of value to this idea of desiring God, desiring Christ who is our consolation, waiting for Him, being patient for Him to act. This prayer is, My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going and I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually following your will. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing to please you. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road though I may know nothing about it. Therefore will I trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the midst of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Today we are celebrating Jesus Christ as the consolation of Israel, and as, as our consolation and our comfort. And I, I encourage you all, memorize these prayers. This prayer of Saint Simeon. Just by reading it over and over again. And seek that peace which comes from Christ. Get rid of whatever is in your heart that is preventing you from having this peace. Seek this peace with all that you desire. Take the words of Saint Paul and our theme of this year as our own desire and our own theme that we may know God, know Christ and nothing else, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. To God be the glory, now and ever in the age of all ages. Amen. In the past several years, decades, there have been many martyrs who have been added to our church. I remember as a child... Um, hearing about this, the, the, the gunman who went in, into the Sunday school room and Al-Qush and, and killed those Sunday school kids and, and that was from the early 90s and even up until uh, on, on yesterday we remember the 21 martyrs of Libya uh, we've had those people in Maspero we had the bombing of the church um, of in Alexandria and the church in Tanta, and we, there's all these martyrs that have been added. And the Holy um, Synod have, has decided that on February 15th is the day, instead of remembering them each individually on February 15th, we remember all of these new martyrs. Uh, it was yesterday, we didn't have a liturgy, so today 
Um, I'm going to uh, try and mention them and their groups. If listen carefully, if I miss a group, tell me so that I can add it to the to the next uh, to the next year's list. Uh, may they pray for us and intercede for us, and may God support their families, many of which are still alive. Uh, give them peace and comfort and rest. To God be the glory now and ever in the age of all ages. Amen.